it's them, it's not me, it's the algorithm, I'm shadow banned, you know, this is crazy. But I snapped out of it pretty quick. I learned quite fast. So I understood within two to three weeks, if I was going to get anywhere on Twitter, I have to start learning and, and sharing knowledge about things that people care more about and also putting out content that's more relatable to people. Welcome to another episode of Hype Fury Presents. In this episode, I talked to Lawrence King. Lawrence has been on Twitter since most of us were still in diapers and he's built quite the empire. In this episode, you'll learn why automation is your friend and how you can build an army of fully automated soldiers that tweet on autopilot and earn money for you day in, day out. My name is Yannick, co-founder of Hype Fury, and I hope you enjoy the show. You're originally from the UK. And when did you uh, move out? When did you say, hey, uh, no thanks? So I was, uh, yeah, when I said no thanks to the UK, I mean, I always felt different when I was a kid. Like I'd be at school and, and I would think, man, this is kind of weird. And when I was a teenager, I used to think, is this normal? Like, is this culture normal? Like everybody would be drinking or, you know, doing certain things. And I think, is this, is this normal? Because the UK has like a crazy drink culture. I never felt at home. And, and uh, when I was about 17, I went to Italy for like a week. I was working in a in a restaurant and I saved up enough to go to Italy for a week or like two weeks, two weeks. And uh, I just went with a backpack and I arrived. The culture was awesome. It was like the scenery was incredible. Weather was already much better. The women were much hotter and more, you know, better dressed, more feminine or whatever. And I just thought, yeah, I need to leave the UK. And at 18, I left. I said, no, thanks. Wow, 18 already. And you left for Italy? I went to Italy, yeah. I went to Italy first. I was there for about two years. I uh, loved my time there. Sort of finished growing up outside the UK, I guess. Yeah. How was your Italian? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I haven't spoken it in like 15 years, but every chance I get, I, I try and practice it. Okay. My Spanish and Portuguese is, is better now, but I can still speak Italian, still understand it. Great. And so you started working in bars then, or what did you do? I taught English. So I like ah. printed these flyers, and it was 10 euros an hour back then. 10 euros, and I just printed flyers. Just anything anything I could to just not have to go back to the UK, basically, is how I did it. And I just found a way to survive. There was no internet back then. There was no internet. I mean, there was internet back then. I'm not that old, but you know what I mean? There was not. It wasn't as easy to make internet money as it is now. Yeah, you couldn't just upload your Gumroad course and just wait for the money to roll in. Yeah, or, or selling products on Amazon and building brands and everything else was much, much tougher back then. It's much more streamlined now as well. And so you had to hold up your own pants starting from 18. And so how did you transition to like an, an online business? So I got into online business quite late. So after Italy, I moved to Venezuela. I ended up sort of selling juice in Venezuela when I was 20, 21, which is pretty weird. Good, great experience, great country, great people. Very sad to see what's happened there. And I hope that their situation picks up, um, you know, mm. over the next years, because that is a really great country and, and the people there are fantastic people. And I then moved to China. And when I was living in China, I started selling things on Fiverr. And I started selling things, uh, doing like affiliate marketing, like, uh, you know, getting my affiliate links out there. Yeah. And I made a $25 sale. I was like, oh my God, this actually is real. 
<laughs> Just, I was probably yeah. about 24, 25 then when that happened. I was like, oh my God, this is actually a real thing. Like now, 16 year old kids, 10 year old kids know they can make money online. You know, there's, I was staying in this uh, hotel in Brazil and the cleaner's son is eight years old. And he was saying to me, oh, I want to become a YouTuber so I can make money and, and help my mom. That's like mind blowing. You know, I mean, he's eight years old yeah. and he knows that he can make money online. Yet I have friends that are like 30 years old in the UK with two kids and a mortgage, and they still don't know they can make money online. And if they hear about it, they think it's not possible and, and maybe it's yeah, a scam. So, it's a scam yeah. so the young kids have it so much better than, than I did. But that's how that started. Okay. And so the, the 25 bucks, that was your first dollar made online. And then, then what happened? So then I continued working and, and just sort of tried the online thing and made some money on Fiverr made some money on affiliate marketing. And when I was making enough, I moved to Vietnam because it was very cheap, very nice. If you haven't been to Vietnam, the south of Vietnam is beautiful, very cheap as well. So my living expenses, I managed to get them down to like $300, $400 a month uh, while I just sort of worked and figured stuff out. And then I met an English expat called Adrian in Vietnam who had been, he'd been on Amazon since like from when they'd stopped selling books and they'd started selling, you know, allowing people to sell products. He'd been on there. He was like an Amazon legend. I ended up meeting him, talking to him. And he said to me, you know, like, you seem like a good kid. If you want, I can show you the ropes of Amazon, but you've got to really, really put in the work. And I was like, I'll put in whatever work you want. If, if I can make some real money, because I hadn't really made any real money up to that point. You know, I was making like $1,000, $2,000 a month online. I, I wasn't really making and I was living in Vietnam, uh, doing everything as cheap as possible. I wasn't really making real money at that stage. So he said to me, you know, come work with me, we'll do all the stuff, you can work from the ground up. So he taught me everything about Amazon. He taught me SEO, he taught me product selection, he taught me all sorts of stuff. And uh, we worked together for six months while I was in Vietnam. Nice, nice. And so you set up your own like uh, FBA? That's right. So what happened was I was working with him and we were in the process of me setting up my own Amazon store and he woke up one day, he was 64 years old. He woke up one day and he had back pain. He went to the hospital and he had a tumor in his kidney and uh, he had cancer. He didn't know. He sadly died six months later in Thailand, which was devastating. He was a real great guy, real legend of the game very similar to me in many ways. Like he used to say to me, you're like a 40 year younger version of me. Cause he, he also left the UK and traveled the world and did whatever he wanted to do. And had very similar personalities. He was a, a, a real great guy. And, um, when he passed away, I still continued with Amazon FBA and I set myself up with my own store and, uh, it started to do pretty well. The first few months, it was pretty much nothing. And then month three just took off. What did you sell? Uh, weight loss supplements, which is what I still sell today. Okay. And also still on uh, on uh, Amazon? Yes. So I'm, I've, I'm launching a coffee brand. It should have been launched by now. COVID has made everything take 10,000 times longer than it should have. But uh, yeah, I've got a coffee brand that's also launching, Raging Bull Coffee. Just thought I'd plug that there. That'll be out this month. You're a coffee lover yourself or how did you come up with that? Yeah, I love coffee. Love. I always said from when I first started selling on Amazon, I said one day I will sell coffee and I don't even care if it makes money. 
I just want to sell. Coffee. <laughs> I just want to sell coffee and say, you know, before I died that I launched a coffee company and I tried and and whatever. So um, I'm happy to, and I, I think it's a good time because I've built up such a big following on Money Twitter, and you know the meme, the black coffee meme. Everybody loves coffee. Yeah. So I think it's a good time as well to to launch to get that launched and grow out another brand. Yeah, oh, it's a good niche. There are a lot of passionate people uh, in the coffee. Uh niche so yeah i think that's going to be interesting and so what's your angle towards your coffee brand how do you position it if it was for me like you're european too you know i love the sort of espresso you know the lavazza segafredo you know the the sort of uh, european espresso coffee you know i like that a lot so that was something that i wanted to do i did a market check and i (laughs) i always say it doesn't matter what you want like if I sold what I wanted, I, I would be broke. Like I would never go and buy a weight loss supplement. You know what I mean? Like I would never go, <laughs> I would never do that, but, but people do. Right. So I sell what people want. And I looked at the market and the whole market, like the first 200 coffees on Amazon are all like strong branding, you know, black rifle coffee, death wish coffee, you know, it's all very strong and, and powerful. And that's what the American market like so that's what i've gone for there nice and so you probably didn't design the brand yourself you hired somebody from upwork or how did you go about doing that yeah when i started my weight loss supplement brand i I didn't have that much money i'd basically when adrian passed away i would essentially lost the the income i had working with him and had to start over again which is something that we were doing together so i went very cheap on the design and I always said, the next time I open an, another brand, whenever that is, I'm not scrimping on the design. You know, I, for the first time around, I had to change the design seven times. It took loads of time. So this time I just got the best I could get in. I, I didn't care about money. I paid a lot of money for the designing. So I went to the coffee, uh, I went to the coffee factory and I said, who, is, who are like the top people in food branding industry? And they gave me a list of like the top dogs that work with like serious brands, not just you know, miniature brands like, like mine, serious brands. And I've got them in for the coffee this time. So the design looks really good. Nice. And how, how did you go about the sourcing? That was difficult because I'm not in the USA, but uh, I had to get samples sent to Brazil during lockdown from all over the USA. So I've just gone through all the samples, picked the best coffee that that I find fits the brand and, and move forward with that. Nice. And so is it like a blend of coffee? How did you pick and choose or is it just... It's mostly from South America, but it comes from a few different countries and it's a, it's a six bean blend. So really strong, really, really strong. I was just going for the strongest coffee that I could find. And uh, when I drank this one, I, I was like, wow, okay, yeah, that's strong. And uh, I've gone without. Nice. And what's your plan uh, for your launch? So I've got a few different uh, strategies for for launch. So first one is, I mean, just from Twitter alone, my own Twitter account, I would make enough money to justify the company, I I believe. I mean, you never know till you launch, right? You you can think something's going to go a certain way. Amazon is going to be a huge one for me. I've got loads of Amazon experience, and uh, I already know coffee sells on Amazon. And then I'm going to do automated social media accounts as well, uh, coffee memes and coffee niches and things like that, just to uh, to get more clicks. But that's that's basically the plan there. Build up a list. 
Nice. And so you're pretty big in automation, right? You have a couple of bots. How do you start that? And why did you choose bots over you know just one big account? Or- well, I've done the one big account as well. I mean, I've got mine, which is I think we're at twenty twenty three thousand followers nearly now. I looked at it and I and I thought, you know, when my account had a thousand followers, I was still making money. I was still making pretty good money, right? So, I thought, why don't I just times this by three hundred? or 400 or 500 or whatever I can. And my first attempt to do bot accounts was with Hype Fury, where I just scheduled loads of tweets. And I was like, oh, this isn't going to work. And just nothing happened, right? <laughs> it just it just scheduled and, and nothing happened. I scheduled like hundreds of tweets, nothing happened to the accounts. And then what I realized was you can't just have content. You have to also you know, do engagement and comments and likes and interact with people for the juice to start, you know, start flowing. And, and what changed? Because what's your system now? You, I think you have, you host it somewhere else. Huh? The bots is like, it's more like you buy a package deal for 50 or 100 bot accounts. And then you do you approach somebody on Fiverr and ask, hey, I'd like a couple of thousand of quotes or how do you do that? Yeah. So basically what I do is for the people listening, you can use Socinator for this. And I just want to say this isn't because I'm on the Hype Fury podcast. This is the real deal here. If you are looking to grow a brand or like your personal brand, use Hype Fury. You shouldn't be scheduling tweets with Socinator. It's for for bots. So I just want to make that very clear there. You can use Socinator, but I had my own program built, especially for me because I had so many accounts. It's called T-Form. And... What you do is, is you just get a lot of content from Fiverr, content that people enjoy. That's the secret, content that people enjoy. And you... How do you define uh, people of uh, content that people enjoy? What people like and share the most. I think one mistake people make on Twitter is they fight the market. Like they go, no, everybody's liking these kind of tweets and they're not liking my tweets. You know what I mean? Like they, they, <laughs> they fight, you know what I mean? Like they fight it. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, that's what they like. You just give them that. People spend so much time fighting the market. And when I got into Amazon, weight loss supplements were booming, and they still are, but it's much more competitive now than it was then. And people would say to me, oh, but I don't want to sell weight loss supplements. I want to sell this thing. And I'd be like, well, good for you, but it's not going to make you any money. It's the same on Twitter. It's so important, this. People say to me, like, oh, so-and-so only tweets platitudes. It's like, yeah, yeah, but that's because it works. They're smart. They're doing what works. They're giving people. Get engagement. Yeah. Imagine if a TV network said, we can't show this show. Why not? Everybody loves it. Yeah, but it's, I don't love it. It's, but it's getting the best ratings. Yeah, but it, I don't like the show. You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy. It doesn't matter what you like. You do not matter. But how, how do you find people on Fiverr to create those kind of tweets? So what I do now is I have a guy that I've hired to make accounts. Um, Great guy. Uh, make accounts and find content for me. Okay, let's just say for an example, I'm, because I am doing it, coffee, right? And it's not just make money online products or info products. A lot of people say things like that. Oh, that's the only thing you can sell. That's not true. It's not true in the slightest. You know, I have accounts that sell watches. I have accounts that sell coffee. I have accounts that sell all sorts of stuff. So there is a lot out there. People buy all sorts of things online all day long so there's loads of different things you can sell so let's say i'm doing coffee 
I will research coffee pages and I'll find the most popular coffee pages, the ones with real engagement, not necessarily the most followers, but the content that's getting the most shares, that's getting the most likes. And then I will get my VA to go and find content that's free to use online, similar to that. So if people love coffee memes, I'll go and scrape as many coffee memes as I can, not stealing people's memes, obviously, but memes that are just available online, you know what I mean, on pages or or whatever. I'll get thousands of that content. I will then put it into Socinator. For me, it's T-Form, but you can't use T-Form, so it would be Socinator. Then you can put the engagement on low, so it's lightly engaging with other accounts, you know, liking here, following there, I agree comment or 100% comment every so often on people's posts. And then that account will grow by itself. Interesting. And so how many accounts like that do you have? Uh, Over 300. Over 300. Wow. And they all make money? I wouldn't say they all make money. There are accounts that stand out, but, you know, they, I think I did a, like a sort of across every single account I have. And it was, I think it was $75 a month, each account across all, all 300. Nice. And so your VA is like on a sort of a retainer where he creates a new account every week or month or how does it work? Yeah, he's just constantly creating accounts, helping me check on accounts, helping me get content, helping me scrape content. And I've recently started doing it for clients. Um, I've taken on one client to do this with at the moment. So it's going to be interesting to see if this works for business as well, because it's also going to be a, a very unique advertising route for companies because a company will go and spend $10,000 or $100,000 on Facebook ads for a certain amount of clicks. But if I can generate that amount of clicks without them having to spend any money by way of automated accounts, that's pretty exciting. And Twitter traffic is one of the most slept on social media traffics I've ever seen. You know, you talk to people about Twitter and they think of like two likes on a post, two shares, you know, because Twitter engagement is pretty terrible, right? You can have 10,000 followers and get two likes on it on something that you tweet. I mean, that's crazy. That is absolutely crazy. So Twitter traffic is one of the most slept on traffic forms out there. But if you look at my main account, that account generates 150 to 200,000 profile visits a month, 11 million impressions. You know, that's a lot of money. If I was to, I couldn't, you know, it would be impossible to get that kind of traffic, you know? Yeah, it's very underestimated market. And I think have you ever tried like building a like a general, well, let's keep it in the coffee, but like a general coffee account and then approaching like a big coffee brand and say, hey, I got uh, this account here. It has, I don't know, 10,000 followers. Would you like to buy it or leech its um, traffic? Something like that? Yeah, that's a very good idea. And I've sold Twitter accounts before. The problem with Twitter accounts is they don't sell for their their actual value. That's one problem. To give you an example, I could have a Twitter account making $10,000 a month. But if I want to sell that account, you know, in in a dream world, you should at least be able to get a year of profit, right? For in a, at least. And nobody's buying that Twitter account for $120,000. No. Nobody's doing it. Nobody, Nobody's going to, because the account could go tomorrow. It could disappear tomorrow off the face of the earth. Twitter could wake up delete your account before you've even had coffee without an explanation. 
yeah, 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 that's true. That's true. Definitely. Well, it's you could say that it's it's not completely by the book if you like automate the like small types of engagement, like the likes and the hundred percent. And I agree. You know, how do you see that when you look at the Twitter's terms of service? I mean, to be honest, Twitter is probably one of the easiest to automate. It's just not going over the top or overboard. Instagram is much harder, I found, in my experience to automate. You know, they'll shadow ban you very quickly. They will not necessarily delete your account, but your engagement will go down and things like that. Twitter is so much easier to automate. It's easier to lose an account, I think, but it's easier to automate. It's one of the easiest ones. What, what happened to your uh, Lawrence um, King FBA account? I knew you were going to bring that up. Yeah, I knew... <laughs> I knew, I knew we, we couldn't just go one interview without that being brought back in my face. I can't believe you, Yannick. Terrible. Sorry, man. Sorry. <laughs> so good. It hurts. But I've got to say, yeah. what a comeback. Exactly. I would love to sit here, Yannick, and say, you know, Twitter did this to me and it was their fault and I can't believe it and I'm a victim and everything else. You know what really happened? Go. I was so stupid that... I changed my phone number and Twitter four times said to me, is this still your phone number? Because you might need it for verification one day. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's still my phone number. I didn't even think about it. And then they said, okay, your, your account's locked now. You need to verify to get it unlocked. And I couldn't verify because I had my old number on file. But Twitter had told me four times. How stupid can you be? Honestly, unbelievable. Yeah. I was like, have I? And it's really embarrassing as well because I'm like known as the Twitter guy. So then I have to come back to my following and be like, guys, I've locked myself out of my account. (laughs) (laughs) Stupid mistake, it happens. (laughs) Unbelievable. With like 18,000 followers. So then I'm like, hey, guys, follow me over here now. And I thought, (laughs) oh, my God, this is so embarrassing. And people were like, have you actually locked yourself out of your account? It was so stupid that people thought I was being clever. They were like, oh, this is a publicity stunt. So you can get yourself a second account with like 10, 15, 20,000 followers on it. I was like, I'm not that smart, guys. You're really overestimating me here. And (laughs) I thought to myself, okay, if I can be back where I am now, within six months, I'll be really happy. And within three months, I was there. I was back. So that I've got to say, for that comeback, I've got to say a huge thank you to all of Money Twitter that, shouted me out i'd love to say all their names but it would it would take forever and yeah it would probably bore your, your audience but without the network that i have without the support and friends that i have and without my email list i would have really struggled to uh to come back so i recommend anybody on twitter you never know when your account could go you never know when something could go wrong make sure you you keep a good network around you no, oh, great comeback. And it shows that, you know, when you just have a good connection with people, good network, and within a couple of months, you can get your account back. You know, you could have probably been bigger, but, you know, never mind. You, you're back at over 20,000 followers uh, within a matter of months. So that's fantastic. Wow. Yeah, that was it. It was also another cool thing is my engagement is crazy, crazy good now. Like, yeah, all the old followers are gone. Yeah, the people that maybe followed me at the beginning like the first few thousand and maybe were a bit inactive or stopped using their Twitter account or whatever aren't there. And everybody who follows me now has followed me within the last four to five months. So that's been pretty cool. Yeah, it helps. It helps a lot. 
And so for you, it's with a network, it's, it's easy to get started and get traction on Twitter. But let's say somebody new starts a Twitter account, has no idea how the Twitter game works. What would you advise them? First thing I would say, be yourself if you can. Do you know what I mean? Like the world might need you. Like I have a lot of make money on accounts and wealth mindset accounts and things like that. And there's nothing wrong with those. If that's what you want to do, absolutely fine. But if you can be yourself and put yourself out there, then that could really help a lot of people. Like for me, I put a lot of stuff out about my dad, you know, my dad retiring and, and my dad changing his life from being in a bad place in the UK to retiring and moving to South America and things like that. And I get a, a lot of messages from people, especially like 40 plus UK guys who are like, man, I saw that story and it's really changed my whole mindset and life. And I'm going to make changes now. I'm not in a very good place here and I want to make things happen. And that's incredible. You know what I mean? If I didn't share that, people would miss out. Show you're real and show you have a personality that gets people to stay. 100%. Show your personality, share your stories and grow with your audience if you can. You know, if you can't, if you think, no, I, I don't want to be me, I want to be, I don't know, the wealth lion or something or whatever it is you want to call yourself, then that's cool. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not bashing on anons here. Nothing but love yeah. from me. Then I would say make your content unique, but also make it content that people like. Like I said before, don't just feed people what you think they should be fed and ask them to enjoy it serve what people are already eating you know what i mean just keep it really simple and that's going to help you so much more because i see so many accounts who are like no they need to like what i'm tweeting and no this is good content that is not good content people don't you know it's, it's ridiculous you know I mean, it just you're not going to change people people like what they like you know just give them what they like and they'll be happy have you seen like big changes in the algorithm slash what people like you know what gets a lot of engagement or has it always been the same since i started it's always been the same and you know when i first started twitter i was really skeptical because i'd only done amazon before twitter and my dad looked at twitter with me because we worked together and he said what are you doing i was like what do you mean he was like why are you getting on that social media for like, two likes on a post a couple of retweets what are you doing and i was like no no I, i'm gonna make this work trust me give me like six months to a year this will be a six-figure business outside of amazon And that came to pass. But at the beginning, my content, I'm actually kind of glad my other account got deleted because my content sucked so bad the first few months. I looked back at my content before that account went and I was like, oh my God, you know, like just cringy, terrible content, content that was like bashing on money Twitter, which is also a stupid thing to do. I don't understand why people do that. They come in and they go, oh, I hate money Twitter, but they stay forever. They never leave. You know, it's like, it's like, you don't have to be here. I don't know if anyone told you that. How did you, how did you find out about Twitter? Why Twitter? So I was looking at, I wanted to start a social media business and I never liked Facebook. I always found it really weird. And I thought, okay, so it's Instagram or Twitter. What are we going to do? And I thought I'm not very good at pictures and it's never really been my strong point. I've always been okay with words, so I'll just set up a, a Twitter business. But I didn't set up a Twitter business with the idea of setting up a Twitter business. The first thing, I saw Money Twitter, and I thought, oh, this would be a cool club to join, you know, be with like-minded people. 
And I thought this is also a good chance for me to share my Amazon knowledge because that's what I'd done on Udemy since 2014. And nobody cared. Nobody cared about the, my Amazon content. Why not? Because of your writing or because nobody was just into Amazon at that time? Probably both. I mean, I would do a better job now at getting people interested. But people as well, they're not that interested in selling on Amazon. You know, it's a huge investment. It's not something, you know, you, for you to set up an Amazon brand, you're looking at spending ten to $15,000 on a launch minimum. So it's not cheap. It's not something that people could do easy. And it's not something that a lot of people can relate to. And uh, my content was just getting no traction whatsoever. And I went through that initial period that I see a lot of people go through of like, oh man, people don't know what good content is. This tweet saying, stay positive has a thousand likes. <laughs> and my tweet about, you know, how to set up a legit Amazon store only has five likes. This is crazy. Yeah. People are stupid. What is this? You know what I mean? And It's them. It's not me. It's them. It's not me. It's the algorithm. I'm shadow banned. You know, this is crazy. You know, this is crazy. But I snapped out of it pretty quick. I learned quite fast. So I, I understood within two to three weeks, if I was going to get anywhere on Twitter, I have to start learning and, and sharing knowledge about things that people care more about and also putting out content that's more relatable to people. Exactly. And so who were the first people you connected on with in, uh, within uh, Money Twitter? The biggest connection, and I'll tell you one thing now, Rogue Wealth. Money Twitter as a whole doesn't deserve that man. And I definitely don't deserve him as a friend. He is just one of the most realest people you'll ever meet. And he had something like 10 or 15,000 followers at that time. I had 200. And he talked to me like I had 20,000. He didn't care that I had no following. I was also annoying as well. You know, those guys that are like, actually, and they start and they put under people's tweets, like, you know, you'll be like, oh, the sky's blue. And then someone will write, actually, no, it's more of a turquoise. You know, those people. <laughs> I even actually did him a few times and we had a few debates, which I was wrong on. And he didn't care. He just was such a good guy. And he followed me back. And he even sort of shouted me out a few times. And he really helped push me into Money Twitter. And I've got to say, that guy's awesome. And there's even times now where I'm a big account where I'll, I'll look and I'll go, oh, but I can't say that because it's not going to get enough likes or it's not getting enough retweets. And I've lost myself a little bit along the way to the numbers. Yeah. And I think, no, 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 don't do this to yourself. You know what I mean? You don't need to do this. Look at Rogue Wealth, prime example. Oh, that's a good one. I'm trying to get him on a podcast, but he's still too busy with uh, with something else. I have to uh, send him another message like I did with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep following up. He'll be a great guest to have on. If he if he comes on the show, he'll be a great guest for your audience. I'm looking forward to it. You know, Sammy has had a lot of contact with him, and I've heard more people say um, very kind words about uh, about him. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I've never seen anybody say anything even remotely negative about him. Top guy, top guy. Yeah. Another thing that that guy has to deal with I've got friends in the UK with perfect circumstances to set up an online business and they make excuse after excuse after excuse. That guy lives in Venezuela. He can't accept US dollars because of the currency controls. Internet goes out all the time and every day there's some new rule or, or, or regulation that will stop him from yep. doing his thing and he'll find a way around it. So that's another thing as well about Rogue Wealth, that's absolutely incredible. Great guy. No excuses. So your strategy would be 
just be real, stay yourself. But would you also combine that with, you know, setting up like a network of, of bots? I don't think for your own account, like I could get my bots to like my tweets. I can do that. Mm-hmm. But I would never do it because one, it's fake, right? I mean, you've got to be pretty sad. I mean, what if you're going to get bots to like you, what else are you going to do? Sort of pay women to talk to you? Do you no, know what I mean? Like. No. If you're stooping that low. <laughs> Probably more than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there we go. You know what I mean? So if you've dropped that low, you've lost. So I would never get my bots to like my own tweets. And I want to know what people like. So I don't want people liking. I mean, it would help if I got 300 likes in the first hour on everything I tweeted from my own pod accounts. It would really help, you know, my engage, you know, people. Because if you've got 300 likes, you're going to get thousands of likes on everything you tweet. But at the same time, I just think... One, that's dishonest, which I, which I wouldn't want to do. And two, Twitter doesn't see my accounts as bots because of the way they're built. But if the Twitter algorithm ever changed and that messed my account up a bit, it would just destroy everything that I've, I've worked really hard to build. So I don't get the, the bots to do anything with my main account. That's smart. <laughs> so when do you retweet our people what do you see in the tweet or how do you you know how do you decide to hey i'm going to retweet this i tend to retweet things that i find people need to hear so i've retweeted one today it was really awesome where it's like this cage full of birds and there's a bird that's left the cage and is flying out the window and all the birds in the cage are saying like oh my god this bird's crazy like we're not safe because of people like this. You know what I mean? I just thought that was so awesome. So I retweeted it. So things like that. And then I also run programs where I help Twitter accounts grow. So I do like retweet packages and things like that. So I, I, those are the people that I retweet as well. Yeah. And you're you're actually also pretty open about that. You shared an image, I don't know, last week or the week before that somebody was happy that he got his money back. You know, he paid for your retweets and he earned his money back. You're not secretive about that. No. And to be honest, I've had such great results with that, that I've, I've actually packaged it up now into something completely different where I help accounts grow their Twitter following. So the people that I've retweeted have built such good following and made so much money that I thought I've got to be doing something differently here because this is huge. I helped build up Felden Richards and Black Hat Wizard. And both of them made in excess of $20,000 last month from their Twitter accounts. So seeing results like that is just brilliant. It's unbelievable. Wow. And, and you're, you're not scared about uh, the Twitter man seeing that? I mean, it could happen. But the good thing is as well, if I, I, I used to be scared about losing my account. I used to think, oh my God, if I lost my account, this would be it. And yes, it sucked. It, it sucked bad. Like it was, it was terrible. Going to like 18,000 to like 3,000, 4,000 followers and then having to build from there sucked. But if it goes, it goes, you know? Yeah, you know now that in a couple of months, you'll be back again at the same amount. Exactly. I mean, people will get tired eventually. They'll be like, how many times is this absolute moron, <laughs> Lawrence King, going to keep asking me to follow him on some new account? You know what I mean? They'll get, they'll get tired eventually. I will always have a platform and I'll always have people that want to follow me and, and engage with my content. And that, that, that means a lot. Nice. And so besides helping people, you know, with their Twitter accounts, you sell quite a few uh, info products. How did you decide to create those and then... Yeah, how did you go about that? I started with Twitter automation 
about a year and two months ago. And as soon as I had traction with that, people were asking, how do you do the Twitter automation? And how do you do, you know, all this stuff? And I thought I could show people how to do this and, and maybe make some money because people were asking, right? So I knew there was a need for it. So I just put up a, a video course on how to get a bit more out of Twitter and how to automate stuff. And I put it up in my bio and I thought, you know, that's going to be pretty passive income for me now. So if that sells, it sells, then great. And it just started selling. And I was like, oh, people actually buy this, you know, kind of stuff. They like this kind of stuff. And uh, I just took it from there. Nice. So do you also work with affiliates? I do work with affiliates. I've stopped doing it so much recently. Gumroad has this really annoying thing. Like, let's say, for example, an affiliate puts their link out for my product. The person comes in, they don't buy. Then a week later, I run a sale and they buy then. The affiliate still gets credited with the sale, which is not how affiliates should work. Affiliates should get paid for closing the sale. That's how affiliates work. So I was finding that when I was doing a sale, I was losing up to 30% of my revenue because of these affiliate links. Yeah that people were putting through. So I've stopped doing it so much recently. And also another thing as well with the affiliate problem I was having is you get these guys. It's so funny. You can tell when someone's going to be successful before you've even started because you get these guys that will be like messaging you nonstop. I need an affiliate link. Get me an affiliate link. I want to sell your product. Get me an affiliate link. And they'll harass you. And eventually yeah. you'll go, okay, yeah, sure. They go, you'll never hear from them. And they do zero sales. yeah, Zero sales. You'll never hear from them again. But they sent you like 700 messages trying to get an affiliate link. If they put that same dedication in to selling the product, they would make loads of money. But they never do. They just want to harass. So they'll harass you the whole time. Then you'll get someone who'll rock up and say, hey, man, would it be possible for me to be affiliate, please? I love the product. I would love to sell it. And then they end up selling, you know, $500 every month of, of the product. So that's another funny thing as well that happens uh, with affiliates. Oh, that's interesting. And so with Hyperior, you also have an affiliate program. We give like 25% commission. We don't do sales. That's a little bit different. But I do see it as a good way of creating awareness for our product. But you think that, you know, because you do the sale, that's why people actually buy your product, but you don't necessarily look at that as they create, create awareness for your product. How, how do you look at that? I think as though, you know, with Hype Fury, it's kind of different, right? I mean, you started out and the awareness of people is what made you guys blow up. Is that fair to say? Yeah. You guys did an incredible marketing job. I mean, I don't know if you were there at the beginning, but, you know, Sammy and, and you, if you were there, you guys did the best marketing. They should do literal studies at university at the marketing that Hype Fury did. Mm -hmm. Because you guys launched a product and from day one, everybody was talking about it. And you, and you reached out to all the biggest influencers and got them talking about it and got them using it and got them trying it and created a group and everything else. The marketing for Hype Fury was incredible because you get so many tech startups, right, that come in and then they don't know how to sell their product. They don't know how to market their product. You guys just did a marketing masterclass. So you guys grew because of the awareness, whereas for me, I grew my account first and then started putting out my product. So if somebody with 300 followers who is affiliating my course, the chances are... 296 people that follow that account follow me as well. 
Yeah, I understand. I understand that angle. So they're literally eating away from your profit because, hey, somebody from their account clicked the link who's probably also following you. Yeah, I mean, essentially that, I'm not saying that they've sort of taken money off, off my table or whatever, but I've done affiliate stuff for many years and the Gumroad thing is broken because you're supposed to get paid for closing the sale. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you're not supposed to get paid because someone went through your link and then bought two weeks later when I ran a sale from my account. You know what I mean? Like isn't that's just how it's worked for me. Like all my life I've done affiliate stuff. You close the sale, you get paid. Yeah, so you'd want to change the uh, way it works to like last click. Yeah, last click. If they did last click, that would be beautiful. That That's how it should work. And I think that's how it should be done. They should be coming through that link and buying. And then you can do cookies if, you know, if they go on the Gumroad page again and buy or whatever. But if it comes through my link, you know, I sound terrible. Like I sound like I'm like, no, nobody can make any money off my bread. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm just saying like, you know, they, they, it should be last click. Yeah, no, I understand. I understand. Cool. And so in the coming few weeks, months, you'll be launching your coffee brand. And w- what's next for you? So I've got coffee launching and I opened an agency earlier in the year and I hated it. I absolutely hated it. I signed a few clients. I grew the agency to just under 10K a month, which is very easy to do by the agency model. I was shocked how easy it is. And I didn't like it because I was doing client work. I just didn't being told what to do again and being asked to do things. And I was sitting down enjoying dinner and getting messages saying, we need this thing and it hasn't been done. And I thought, I don't want to be doing this. So I stopped doing the agency work and the agency fizzled out and I've gone into high ticket closing and I've got to say, so I've got Amazon high ticket closing and Twitter now, and I'm just going to stick to those three. I'm, I'm not doing anything else. And obviously I've got email marketing as well, but that, that's just, you know, the, the list now. And I've got to say, for anybody out there listening that's looking to get into something, high ticket closing is just the best thing ever. Like, I'm just so happy that I've gotten into it over the last you know, few weeks. You'll do sales calls for people and do like on commission base or how does it, how does it work? So I've got my own high ticket offer now for Twitter, which I've been selling. And what you do is you reach out to influencers with, say, offers over $2,000. And you say, look, uh, you get them to schedule a call and they can schedule a call with me during these hours. You know, I'm very strict with the hours because I've got a lot to do. And, you know, you can have a 20 minute phone call with somebody and walk away from that phone call with $500,000 commission for just getting on the phone call with somebody for 10 minutes. Sometimes it's five minutes. So I'm loving that. I'm absolutely loving that. Enjoying it, talking to people and and uh, practicing high ticket sales it's been a lot of fun nice and are you then the the third guy on the call as in also for the credibility or are you the one closing the sale really closing the sale i mean person is already 90 percent there before they get on the call and you just need to get them that extra 10 percent. so for anybody looking for something to do i would strongly recommend practicing high ticket sales and getting involved in it Uh, rogue wealth put me on that Rogue Wealth spent a year teaching me about high ticket sales and I'm very glad that I stuck with it. Nice. All right, man. Well, Lawrence, thank you very much. Where can people reach you? Well, Yannick, thank you very much. I really appreciate you getting me on the show and people can reach me uh, at Lawrence King Yo 
not Lawrence King FBA anymore. They can reach me at Lawrence King Yo. Um, I'm always on Twitter, kind of addicted to Twitter. So follow me there if you're not following me already. I hope this has been good for your listeners. Cool. And thank you very much, Yannick, for having me on, man. I had a great time. That's a wrap on this week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe because next week I talk to Jimmy, the dividend cultivator, and you'll learn all about how to get started with investing and building a Twitter following in the finance niche. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a shout out on Twitter and see you again next week. Thank you.